Didn't you didn't want to, you don't want to do the helium thing? Oh, you yo, he never did heal. What? What? I don't want to make it sound like a drug, but he never inhaled go, helium. Go get it, go bro, get it, go get it, go get it, go get it. bro. Hold on. You have helium in hand. Hold on. You whack. I've never done it before. Bro, we about to crack the fuck up, son. I've never hold done it. Up. But they like, they gave it? me this for my one year. So That's you inhale? Don't you have to hold your breath yeah. or something like that? No, no, no. no. no you just so you inhale? No, not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you just talk? I mean, yeah. you could take the you could take the one time. All right. So just like bite a little hole, not too crazy. Just bite a little hole. This one's kind of cool. That might be hard because that has so little. Yeah. So I'm right, gonna do this one. Six. How do I know when it? Yeah. How do you know? Wait, wait. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Keep going. I got. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> yo. Yo, I can't believe you went all these years and not never doing this, bro. Wow. You missed opportunities. You, you <laughs> never knew that? No, I knew about it. I never did it. <laughs> 27. <Not> bucket. <laughs> 27 years of my life wasted. <laughs> 27 birthdays. 27 <laughs> birthdays wasted and I never did this shit. Oh. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> you guys are stupid. I need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> you ruined it. You ruined mine. Oh, yo, this is the best. What's, what's something notable that we all I don't know. Please, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Or a game. This is the one time in my God life I can't think of something. Any- Pat Swayze at Josh of the Roundtable and guys we've been showing it on Instagram we've been showing it on Facebook we've been doing it all over the place by now you should already know it is the very first time we have a very first guest on our show on Friday the 13th was when we're recording this episode yeah at Ganga Draws it's Mr. <clears throat> Kenny Wong I got a complaint. I'm going to tell my agent that you didn't give me my TV with my TiVo. No. <laughs> you didn't leave my room with the green m ms I'm going to, you're going to hear from Sai. <laughs> oh my God, a tropic book. I can't, I can't. All right. But yeah, guys, we are here. <clears throat> What's up? We're back. This, when this episode comes out, you guys should have already listened to the first part of our introduction into what is D&D. So hopefully by now you guys are like super on board and like super witty and you're probably like really enthusiastic to like hear us drop yeah. some D&D lingo, but yeah. pause on that shit because we have a fucking good friend here. Yeah. So we are going to be asking a lot of questions of our friend, but you know, we're just going to chill out, hang out, talk shit, you know, uh, and we just want you guys to meet him. I mean, we've been talking about him for like fucking five episodes now. Like I think yeah. we even mentioned him in the yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah. in the last episode. So... Yeah, man, fucking, fucking, here's your, here's your time. Say, you say, say, what's up to people. Say hi to everybody. Did you, did you scare off all your, your, your listeners by Pro- mentioning me? Pro- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh fuck, They're it's like, a Kenny episode. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Fucking out. 
But hey, guys, you already know, we always shout it out. We got BX in the house, where we record the show. Yeah. Josh is from Harlem, and guess what? We got Brooklyn! Yeah, I mean, I'm from Brooklyn originally. Man, and now I live in Harlem. Yeah, but once you, you go to Harlem, you never, you never un-Harlem. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I get Washington Heights, but yes. Traitor. <laughs> Yo, man, I had to go. All right, well, I had to get out of it. I'm good. I'm just chilling right here. <laughs> I get out of here, bro. I'm going to stay right here. Fuck the town. But yeah, man, say what's up to the people. Say hi. I know you got fucking people listening and shit, so fucking here you go. The mic is yours, bro. Hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> it's the Kenny show now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, flattered these guys asked me to do this. I was like, really? Thank- you guys really want me to be on this show? Yeah, man. Like, Hell yeah, bro. Thanks what? for fucking coming on the show. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who have been following us and liking all of our photos, you know that we've been posting art, and this is the guy. This is this mm-hmm. is the guy. Mm-hmm. He's our, our, you know, the he brought life to what we thought our first characters would look like. Yeah. Um, damn, man. It's been how long now? For, for what? Like, since we've just been, like, talking about this, like, just us coming together, Normac and Silverkin. Kenny being on board for like I know it's like probably at been least, at least like two years yeah two, two years. years yo dude from when he drew the first picture of even before your current that. character oh fuck yeah yeah cause oh, I mean fuck I didn't... yeah I was the first character you drew you drew a map bro mm-hmm. yeah that's fucked up man dude I remember that day too it was in a Wendy's he didn't it, it was in a Wendy's it was in a Wendy's for some reason I yep. I don't remember that I yep. thought it was in a fucking Panera nah <laughs> <laughs> or a Brett or some shit <laughs> Like, no, I, mean, it I was, was in there, comics. You was with with Ned. Well, I was with Ned, and then we went to the Wendy's right there. Oh, you're right. And you drew Maverick in like two seconds. Yeah. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was drawing your uh, Maverick. Yes. While cringing the at the smell of Wendy's. Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, like, cause. <clears throat> Going back you to, the, to wait to the first episode. So going, hold on. Talking so, about Wendy's being MVP. So, <laughs> right, right. You like Wendy's. I don't eat fast food anymore, but you haven't eaten meat, meat or Wendy's in general for like six years now. You've been vegan for six years. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking sad. No, I'm playing guys. <laughs> I support. I support. Has life, has life escalated for you? I feel good. Are I you? mean, I don't. I don't feel like I changed anything but when i train i'm i'm still the same i'm still good how close are you to getting your vegan powers (laughs) want to test it out right now yes (laughs) on him (laughs) like not six years vegan i feel like you should at least know how to move something with your mind you can be like (laughs) shit stop watching so or change your hair color change your (laughs) hair color on the fly damn you brian lee o'malley (laughs) yo man like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a long time. Like, we've been talking about a lot of things, especially, like, so we had mentioned it when we first did the show that uh, we had pre-recorded other episodes that we were, yeah. like, they were, like, test-run versions of what we thought the show was going to be. And, <laughs> and uh, we had mentioned, uh, wow, I fucking, that fucked me up. I lost my train of thought, but we have been talking Test about, like, episodes. like, um, you know what we wanted to do with the show, who we wanted to get on, and like instantly, you were definitely like top like three. Oh yeah, it was you, the, uh, my homie Ash. Shout out to Ash, Here. who made who made the 
the beat for us. I don't remember the last person. Brendan. Brendan. That's right. Shout so out to if you're listening. Brendan as well. Your time is coming, sir. Word. And if anybody knows Brendan, peer pressure. <laughs> Word up. Well, talking about peer pressure. <laughs> People want to know. We want to know. Oh, word, word, word. Oh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for commenting and hitting us up and listening to the hard work that I put into not actually remembering what to say in my Instagram story videos. (laughs) Everybody, I'm going to, there was quite a few questions. We had our own as well. I'm going to try and mention everybody who asked the question. Yeah. Uh, I should be able to. It shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. A lot of reasons why uh, is because, so like I said, you know, I met, I met, you know, I've gotten closer. I think I've already met you before the two years. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't cool. But, like, we've been cool for, like, two years. So, like, I've hung out with Kenny a lot of times. So, I'm doing these Normac and Silverton things. And a lot of questions I've asked Kenny over the years that I might forget to ask. So, I've left it into Josh's hands to ask the questions that he doesn't know that I might have already heard. Yup. <clears throat> In the and- many cafes. And I mean, some of these, some of these questions <laughs> coincide with uh, things that were asked by people on Instagram. So I'm gonna try to remember and shout out those people as I go. If, if you mispronounce the name, we're sorry. Yeah, if I mispronounce it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll probably correct you if I know them. That's fine. Do it, bro. So we're just gonna start it off easy, right? We had this question, and so did uh, underscore. Octavio Sosa underscore also had a similar question along these lines of which is basically just how did you how did you first get into art Kenny uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, remember I've been drawing since I was really young I don't remember it but my mom told me I've been drawing all my life and I started drawing stuff like trucks and dinosaurs because that's what a little kid likes to draw and then it came to the point where Empire Strikes Backs was out and I was obsessed with Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and that's all I drew. Darth oh, yeah. Vader and Stormtroopers. Well, yeah. I didn't know that shit. Yep. It's fucking dope. Wait, so is that why you like Transformers and like... Oh, yes. Oh, shit. Oh, because they're all vehicles. Yeah. That's what's already yep. on that. Oh, that's fucking dope, dude. And then I didn't get into comic books until I found my mom's stash of comic books. She read Your Legion. Your mom read comics? Yeah. What did she... What, what was she... Legion of Superheroes, Ghost Rider. Wow. Uh, Your mom's she, a Ghost Rider fan? Yeah. I love Ghost Rider. Uh, she also read like those old EC horror comics, of oh, course, you know yeah. Archie and all that stuff. So I got into all of that through her. Wow, so your mom's OG. Word. Yeah, but she was also an artist before, and I remember going into the closet and seeing all this stuff, and then she told me like, "Oh yeah, those are my old drawings." I was like, "Oh," but she stopped drawing a long time ago, and so I must have. Did your mom go to school or anything for art? Not it was just a hobby. Of. Not that I know of. I know she went to Edward R. Murrow in Brooklyn. And... Oh, was it Edward R. Murrow? And then... No. Oh. I, I think she went to Murrow. Or did she go to Lafayette? One of those. Okay. I can't remember. I'm so bad. Talking so about bad. art in school. This isn't a question, but like just jumping onto that. Did you go to school at all for art? I didn't go to school for art until... Technically, I went to art, an art school in... Probably my high school years. 
because uh, I had some friends that I was tight with since grade school, and they were going to this weekend program at Cooper Union. Oh shit! And there was this was all for like high school students and shit like that. But they told me about it. I applied for it. I got in, and I spent my weekends at and Cooper it was, Union. It was just a weekend for a couple, class. Yeah, for a couple of years, doing their courses there, and that was probably like so much fun for me because I did like life drawing, architecture, uh, sculpture. But that had nothing to do with, like, what I was really wanting to do. Because, you know, reading comics, you're like, oh, I want to... <laughs> I want to draw these I things. I want to draw these things. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my very first comic was when my dad took me out and he was bribing me to not tell my mom about something. Like, he liked to go to those old horse bedding things. <laughs> or if he wanted to buy some, some tools and he didn't want my mom to know, he's like took me to the newsstand and it was mm. like hey uh so what do you want i was like what it's like you want a comic book I was like oh <laughs> so i picked up this one comic from the newsstand and it was detective comics with batman and i was like instantly he was like i want that and it was by gene colin yeah. he was my first fucking super heavy influence i used to draw the way when i saw gene colin draw batman in those weird poses and the the hands and i love the way he draw hands and fingers i used to imitate the way he drew hands and fingers that was like an obsession for me i don't know why and that still is because i like drawing hands for some weird reason which is crazy because i mean like i can't draw but in my experience like i can't draw (laughs) in my experience like just knowing people who can draw hands is always really difficult so for you for the most part people that i've spoken to it's difficult so it's not for you it's like the shit. Like there, there is, there expert. is difficulty depending. Sans hands. Hands are still hard for me. It depends on the angles too. Okay. So, but yeah, like so, Gene Calling really got me into comics, and then I read comics from there on, and I went to Cooper Union, and then fast forward, I was cutting school for two years. I did not go to school for two years. Nice. Nice. Because I was a delinquent. <laughs> nice. And so. I came to a point in my life where I was like, oh, I don't think I should be doing this anymore. I think I'm better than this, and I shouldn't hang out like an idiot. So I went back to high school, went to the dean, and said, hey, you know, I know I screwed up. Can I come back and just finish and get my degree? And he basically said, no, it's too late. I I'm, I have too much years behind me. Oh, shit. So I took my GED, got my GED. I put a portfolio together of random things that I drew, and I applied to all these schools. I went to, I, for Pratt, SVA, Parsons, FIT, and some places in the West Coast, and I remember getting uh, uh, interviewed for FIT, uh, for for SVA. Can't uh-huh. remember what 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 the results were for the other schools, but I remember going to those, and SVA took me in off my portfolio alone. Okay, nice, but. I didn't really go to SVA for that long because I was working full time and going to school full time, so I had two full time schedules back to back. And that didn't last very long. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> out, bro. I, 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 I couldn't do it and I had to decide job or school, job or school. And my my reasoning was like, Well, if I quit my job, I'm not gonna afford school. Mm-hmm. If I quit school and go to work, I still have money. Mm. 
So I quit school and continued with, you know, art. And just I mean, uh, with the job. Yeah. Around what age? I was in my 19, 20. Uh, so you just decided, oh, wow, instead yeah. of focusing, instead of getting the more formal training, you decided to just... I wanted that formal training, but I couldn't afford it. But yeah. I also was a bit bored because when you're young, you're kind of like, you think you know it all. And I was going taking those art history classes and things like that. And I was getting bored by it, mm-hmm. which is dumb because now I see the value in it. Because I go back to a lot of old school classic artists and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So... That's the weird part because it took me all these years to finally come full circle and realize like the value of art history. But back then I was like, oh, I'm bored and I'm gonna fall asleep. But also I kind of felt like if this is really art, then I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, it's like maybe I don't want to do this anymore. So after I left left SVA, I basically quit drawing for a long time because I was like, this is not for me. But then I tried it again, and I applied for Parsons, and I got in Parsons, too, off the same the portfolio. The same portfolio yeah. from the first time? Oh, wow. wow. And again, the same circumstances happened with me with SVA. was like, Parsons was expensive. I was like, God damn. But I lasted longer in Parsons, but I still didn't last long enough to stay. And I was like, I was deep in school debt, so I was like, mm, yeah, I got to stick to the job. <clears throat> I left that job, too. I mean, uh, school. And I stayed at my job. Okay. What was your job at that time? I was working for this place called Getty, a uh, liaison agency that got turned into Getty Images, which is a oh, stock oh, photography wow. company. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm pretty sure people are familiar with Getty Images. The good thing is, uh, because I quit art, I this was a photography company. It's still considered art. And I did take photography when I was in the end of high school because I kind of dabbled in it because I had friends who went to Murrow who did photography and they were doing all this stuff and they got me into it and I cut school and go to Murrow and go to their dark room and I was like this is cool <laughs> then I learned some photography basics in SVA pre-digital cameras <laughs> when I shot with film and I went to the dark room and I developed film too fucking dark Yo, he just gave me a fucking so I don't know what years these were, but this was definitely early 90s. My mom used to work for this uh, photo developing shop. Oh, I remember those. And the I can remember, he just made me remember the smell. Yeah, I remember film. the smell, yeah. The uh, chemicals, the, yeah, the chemical wash. Yeah. I remember we did like a dark room thing when I was in like elementary school. We like mm. took our own pictures and we had to develop them in the dark room. Wow. Oh, yeah. That place was like the coolest and the scariest place at the same time it was the coolest place you you had all these students who played like really cool music and everyone's just doing their thing that's so dope that's yo i really still i still shoot film i don't i i use digital cameras but i still have a a, a film camera that i use what i got so many images flooding. this is a weird it's about to be a weird question but this is just for my own personal Dude. curiosity <laughs> Can you even go to a dark room anymore? Like, do they even exist? Like, uh, there probably is really not that many left, but there are some because there are some places that uh, I was developing my film at. Wow, I know people also have like dark rooms like in their houses. Yeah, that's easy. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, if yeah. I if if I had the space, I would convert my bathroom into a dark room because I know exactly what I need. You know, huh. uh, if I had the money to buy the equipment, it wouldn't be that hard. 
it's it's really not that. And that hard. red light is essential to the whole process. Because if you have your your film, you have to basically keep your room dark because if there's too much light, you're gonna expose your ruin film pictures, and ruin yeah. all of it, and you're gonna lose everything. Wow. So you have to have the dark room with that red light because that is <laughs> what will keep your keep you from losing all your pictures. Learn something new every day. All I can see in my head is that. Uh, the scene in uh, Saw, the first one, when oh. the homie gets abducted. Yeah. I'm thinking more Seven. That too. That <laughs> see, too. I didn't see Seven. What? Wait, what? Oh, wait, wait. Saw Seven the movie Seven? No, no. The movie Seven. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What's okay. in the box Seven? Seven, <laughs> yes. What's in the box? What's in the box? I've seen Seven. I thought you meant Saw Seven. I was like, no, whoa. No, 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 <laughs> no that dude, that No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. Oh, dude. That's crazy. <sighs> All right. Uh, what do we got here? What do we got? So... This kind of like you kind of answered this somewhat when you were mentioning like uh, the, the, uh, the Batman comic that you got, uh, but us and uh, Ant Duhar ninety four. Sorry if I mispronounced Anthony, that. your boy Anthony. Uh, just piggybacking off of that, what you were saying about tech comics. What are just some of your inspirations in general? Like whether they're comic book artists or otherwise. Like I mean, main inspir- inspirations for you, I suppose. Uh, first off, thanks to Octavio for the first answer, and thanks Anthony for this. Uh, Anthony also I mean, said key books. Question. I mean, thanks Octavio for the first question, and thanks. Thank you, yeah, Anthony, thanks, for yeah, thanks, this question. Good question. Key books too. He wants you to mention if you can. Okay. Well, influences. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, my influences, like I said, start off with comics like Star Wars, trucks, dinosaurs. Which is funny because uh, an artist that I have been talking to that I'm friends with, Louis LaRosa, and I talk about dinosaurs because he had an obsession with dinosaurs. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was like, that was my thing because I used to watch the Channel 13 for the dinosaur documentaries and all that. Oh, shit. So that was an obsession. Um, Gene Colin, like I said, that, that dude. And then I used to look at the newspaper strips and I used to love the Spider-Man and Star Wars strips. So between Al Williamson, Star Wars and Spider-Man strips, I didn't know that Larry either. Lieber, those guys were like blowing me away. And then my uncle, my mom's youngest uh, brother, he was a film major and he works in the industry as a AC, America, uh, assistant cameraman. When I used to go to his house, he had tons of comics. So I was into like a lot of the stuff he saw, like Rom, Spider-Man. Oh, fucking Rom. So I was exposed to like John Romita Sr. Spider-Man stuff. Mm, that's good Spider-Man. Yes, that's good Spider-Man. That's good Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> Dicko. But in terms of like my really big influences, uh, f- comics right now, like yeah, past, present, currently, I'll look at stuff like uh, 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 Olivier Copil. Uh, Dan Mora, John Boy, Louis La Rosa, uh, uh, Sergi, Sergio Topi, these Italian guys named Massimo Carnavale and Gigi Caravaggio. I'm sorry yeah, if yeah. I pronounced that wrong. Uh, Mobius. Great. <laughs> Mobius. Oh, yeah, I know Mobius. I'm familiar. Uh, the French artist uh, Claire Wendling. She did this, like, awesome fantasy novel that I really love called uh, Lights of Amalu 
and then uh, that's what I could name off the top of my head and then there's like illustrators illustrators that are not in comics that I really love which before is you, before you get right to there I want to take your, your thing because I'm actually really a little, a little interested what what strikes you as like what strikes the page for you for those artists like you don't have to do each one but I'm just saying like what really stands yeah. out to you as an artist like you're like oof this guy oh yeah does. like if somebody yeah I see what you're saying you know what I'm saying like, like if somebody does something you're like oh yeah like like somebody you, it, yeah. it could be a lot of things man it could be storytelling it could be the way they render this 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 feeling that I get when I read a comic when I look at the visuals of it you know mm-hmm. it's like what it what it sucks into me mm-hmm. it, it it has to I guess it has to connect with me on that kind of a personal level for me to like mm-hmm. oh my god and also because I'm always looking for something different mm-hmm. um, I do like the comic stuff but as a kid especially during junior high school and high school I was really drawn to really different stuff I mean I like the, the Mike Zek Punisher stuff the Romita Senior Spider-Man stuff but what blew my mind and just made me like, whoa, this could be comics too, was uh, looking at Bill Sienkiewicz, mm-hmm. John J. Muth, Kent Williams, George Pratt, Dave McKean. Like, oh, Dave McKean, man. That, like, Ar- that Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh, okay. I, before, I'm terrible with names. So I'm before like, that, before Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Bill Sienkiewicz, you know too, he was on New Mutants way back. Yeah, the okay. Demon Bear, the Demon Bear story. Okay. Electra Assassin. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did some Daredevil stuff too. Yeah. Yep. Love and War. Moon Knight. He was big on Moon Knight Oh, too. yeah. And then... Um, John J. Muth and Kent Williams were like doing this collaboration where it's two different painting styles and it was uh, with Louise Simonson and it was Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown and that George Pratt did Enemy Ace that blew me away and then Dave McKean I discovered his stuff through uh, when he first started with Neil Gaiman with like with Signal to Noise Violent Cases and then it led into like Arkham Asylum. Oh hell yeah! That stuff was like, pfft, that was like different for me. That was a whole different world of comic art for mm. me. And a source book that Anthony uh, was asking is Cages by Dave McKean. Cages, okay. That that book blew my mind because the storytelling and the experimentation of what he did in terms of the art form in comics. I, I can't eat. just calling it comics is kind of restrictive <laughs> yeah 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 because it was just a pure piece of art for me so that's mm. a huge thing that I put right next to me that next to something like say Otomo Katsuhiro with Akira and Domu I know he's gonna say that I know <laughs> Hiroaki Samui uh, for Blade of the Immortal uh, Shiro Masamune for Ghost in a Shell the early Apple Seed. Dominion. Uh, uh, what were we talking about earlier? Uh, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh my God! Sam I don't know. Executioner. That stuff was like blowing me away. That was different from like you know the typical Marvel DC stuff. Yeah. Um, and then going back to the other thing, outside the comics, you know, I discovered when I joined Instagram, uh, Pixar animator Eliza Ivanova. And she blew me away. I think I was still drawing at the time, but kind of like never took it seriously. 
but when I joined Instagram, I wasn't regularly posting art. I was still not serious about it. But when I saw that, there was two things that got me back actually, because uh, I quit comp, quit drawing, but I was doodling in between for like a good chunk of my life. And I remember when I got back into comics, I saw one thing that got me back into comics, and I think it was with my brother when we went to the comic store and uh, I saw this book called House of M and I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, God. And they're like, oh, you don't know House of M? <laughs> oh, God. And I flipped through it and I was like, who is this? And it was Olivier Corbel. And I was like, oh, well, I, I was sold and I started buying books by him since then and he's got me back into comics and... Oh, that's dope, man. Fucking House of M. Yeah. What a and great then, story. Instagram, Aliza got me back into like seriously rethinking my art because when I saw her work, I was like, oh my God, she is, this is like fine art to me. So it's safe to say you're inspired by your peers, not only the ones you know, but also the ones you've been exposed to. Yeah. Okay. So go. So Olivier Coppel, I would say he, he grew so much over the years that I would put Magic Order right next to Cages. As a, a book that I look to, as like, oh my god, this is magic order. This fire. don't you carry magic order on you like on regularly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, I wish I could carry Akira, but you know, how am I gonna carry two thousand pages worth of fucking? Yo. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> and then I carry Elise's book, her first published book, uh, raw material of her collection of her, of her sketches that she put out. Um, Kim Jong Gi. Kim Jong Gi was like, oh my god, who is this? Are there any like, so you're saying like you know like House of M, Magic Order, Cages? Are there any like, for lack of a better term, just to continue with the books theme, any like how to draw, not necessarily how to draw, but just like books about like about art, but not actual narratives that you, know, you would recommend or that you like? The, the 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 first book that I started using, like any other person who wants to draw comics, it was. How to Draw the Marvel Way. <laughs> <laughs> I, my uncle had that book, and I was like, what is this? I think, I think Jay had that book, too. Well, I copied that book front and back mm, as a kid. Yeah. Because that was like, you could learn how to draw comics like this from John Basima and Busema or and Stan Lee, and I just ate that book up. And then I would have anatomy books by uh, Bridgman, because I was studying anatomy. And then over the years, uh, I would accumulate some, you know, art books. Uh, I acquired some animation uh, books, like the Animator's Guide. That was recommended to me by Eliza, which was so helpful. Um, and then I just recently bought a anatomy book, both from Mike Hawthorne, his life studies, and Ooh. his uh, and his uh, drawing guide, which. Any artist who wants to get better, if you are listening to these lists that I'm putting, these are books you have to have. Um, okay. Make sure to get that down, guys. Their word. And uh, Elise is coming out with a new book on on how to art, you know, how to draw in her style, and which I got from Kickstarter. I would also recommend that because she's a master. What's do you know Elise's Instagram off the top of your head? Yeah. E L E E Z A Eliza on Instagram. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And um, just so you guys, just anybody wants to check her out. 
and anybody can check out Kim Jong Gi, you know. Oh yeah, all these people you're mentioning, yeah. Yeah. If you're not familiar with some we, of these names, we gave a we gave a long, pretty long shout out to some of those people on uh, it's our, our return episode. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, then I don't just look at that stuff. I'll look at like you know Muka, who is a huge influence. I discovered Muka through looking at a lot of Adam Hughes, and I discovered like, oh, this guy is influenced by Art Nouveau. And I went back and I started looking at uh, Klimt, Muka, uh, uh, Toulouse Lautrec. The oh, the, I realized like these were all like I'm classic familiar, artists. I'm familiar with that guy when I was in school studying graphic design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we uh, briefly went over his like body of work. Yeah. So I went back and studied that stuff. I was eating that stuff up. And I just recently got turned on to Orientalist Art by Olivier. And oh. that's like a whole other thing. And I was like blown away by this and that, that, that opened up How a new world. How does that feel? Like, because obviously you've watched people's work and they've inspired you. But then you've actually had the privilege of like see, meeting these people and like having a conversation. Like, like how has that affected you even on, even beyond that level? Like, what's the, the that, that juiciness that you fucking get from like, actually meeting your and they dumb seeing you as a peer like um, I don't know if they look at I me as a peer saying. but bro, I see what you're man you're fucking nasty they're probably thinking like oh this young cub you don't know that <laughs> but no seriously like what's that what's that like, like but to be like you know you like you were saying you were a fan but now you're like you were a fan like you're a fan of House of M for a long time and now then you were a fan of Magic Order and now this is like this is your guy now so like how does that feel not even just with him, but with anybody. You well, it was really... Of, like, I never thought about those things because that was not something I never really thought about or pursued hmm. because when I was trying to get back to drawing again, I remember I had all this stuff that I never threw away. I have all my old art, I, every single one of them. And I remember like, hey, what's... You know, I was like, oh, maybe I should try doing this again. And I remember taking some of this, putting in a portfolio, and I went to one of these cons. I think I was in my 20s then. And I remember at the time, I don't know if you guys remember, but Larry Strowman was also hot at the time. He was doing X Factor with Peter David, and he was dope as fuck, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he did Tribe for mm-hmm. Image. Oh. So he was one of those, like, you know, dope artists next to Brian Stelfreeze that I really liked, uh, uh, Mike Mignola. Like, <sighs> fucking. So I saw him at a con and I showed him my work and he was like, oh, you know, these are pretty good. You, do you like Hong Kong movies? I was like, yeah, I do. I, I'm not sure that this was the exact wording, but it was along that line where he was like, you must like Hong Kong movies or something. I was like, yeah, why? He's like, these panels look like, you know, you're heavily influenced by like a John Woo movie. I was like, whoa. He's like, these are really good. <laughs> and I was like, really? And, you know, I remember he gave me his card. He's like, yeah, you know, contact me on this card, you know, like, your, your stuff's good, you know. And I was like, whoa, holy cow. I was blown away by that. I, I was like, but the, my dumbass didn't really do anything because I'm what people don't know, and I'm sure people are aware of if they're artists. Like, I'm kind of self-critical. Every artist is self-critical. They have you imposter syndrome. critical on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> So I never thought I was good enough to contact. So I just like never contacted him, and I just kept working on my own. And was just like, I'm gonna keep working on this until I'm better, good enough to even talk to him like that. 
but that was dumb. Because <laughs> um, later on, I also went up to another guy. I don't remember his name because maybe my memory has blocked it out because maybe it was traumatic for me. I don't know. But I remember showing it to another artist and I had these other pages and I was experimenting with storytelling at the time and I drew it in landscape format, you okay. know, like widescreen. Yeah, yeah. And that was all the pages I was doing, like all these landscape type of formats. And he looked at it and he cursed me out. And he said, what the fuck is this? Whoa. Why would you show this to me? This is at a con? The yep. fuck? Do you really not remember his name? No. Okay. I even just, if you, even if you're, even, I still wouldn't want you to say it even if you did. I wouldn't remember right now because I really don't know. I really forgotten, but I still remember Damn. how shitty it this felt. This is NYCC. I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Too. This is an NYCC one Not here? New York Comic Con. It was, I think it was another thing. It was way before it was big. Okay. This was still back in the day. Like maybe it was one of those Big Apple cons or something like okay, that. Okay, okay. It was still being held across the street from Madison Square Garden uh, at that hotel. at that hotel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The oh, Pennsylvania shit. Hotel. I didn't know. So, he cursed you out. He cursed me out, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I basically gave up. I was like, all right, I'm not going to do it. And you just dropped art. I dropped it again. But then, you know, when I was like ducking in and out of comics, just seeing what's going on, but never really serious about it, I remember seeing Travis Charest. He did Wildcats. He did X-Men. Okay. Um, and then I saw that he did his own little thing called Space Girl. Uh-huh. And he released his creation on his own, and I bought the little mini book. And it was just all panoramic panels on each page. Oh, and shit. I looked at it, and I was like, it can be done. He <laughs> did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that one dickhead who was just like, this isn't how you draw it. Yeah. So I kind of like, all right. But, you know, I was still not exactly back in like 100% I was still kind of like eh, it's cool That's okay insane. so so while you were out of drawing was that when you started to do stunt work oh yeah uh, after I quit Getty Images I left because I was I, would, I worked there for too long and I got fired I spent a year drifting around and somebody came up and he said like, hey you want to do stunts for a living I was like stunts I don't know what that is is that money? So that's how you got into it. Just that simply. Someone just came up to you, more or less. Yeah, which is funny because I never knew about movie making. I never knew about uh, stunts. And it was also really bit weird if I think about it because my uncle was in the film industry. He would show me pictures or talk about it. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, I never processed with me. But at the same time, when I discovered Jet Li and Jackie Chan and... I was like, who are these people? Because I, I'm, I was like every other kid who was watching Hollywood movies, Van Damme with Bloodsport, Steven Seagal above the law, yeah. Chuck Norris, you know, American Ninja, all that stuff. I thought yeah. that was martial arts. I knew about Bruce Lee, but I didn't see enough of it. Uh, but he was Bruce Lee was what I really liked, but I didn't see anything more than that because he didn't make that much movies. Then I start watching American movies with all this action, and I thought that was cool. And then someone showed me this Jet Li movie. It was Fong Sai Yok. And I was like, what is this? And that made me go deeper into martial arts, too. And um, How long I did would, you do that? It's been... What did you say? How long? How long, yeah. Oh. 
I started martial arts, what? 16, 17. Wow. Oh, shit. I actually bought a book by James Liu because I had no money and um, my parents did not encourage me to do martial arts and I managed to do something on the side where I could scrounge up some money. I found a bookstore and I found this book on the art of kicking and stretching by James Liu. I bought that book and I taught myself how to do the splits. What? Wow. I did that shit every day. Was there day. pictures, bro? Or they just explained it? <laughs> like, it's probably pictures. There is pictures. Bro, because like, what? I watch TV in the splits. I would sit in my room and i sit against the wall and push myself against the wall to like get yeah. my leg into a split. I did that every day. Back when I could. Jesus. I could still do split. Nah, but, so, um So all that really helped when you got into the stuntman stuff. Yeah. Because also the other ironic thing is I don't know what got me into it. I hung out with a bunch of guys that practiced martial arts with me, and we were shooting movies, like little homemade movies. Yeah. I discovered my uncle had the little, you know, high-def, high-8 video cameras with the little mini-tapes. I don't know if you guys ever got around to that. Yeah, but I know what you're talking about. I had those little camcorders, and <laughs> I used to run around the city with my friends shooting these little mini-movies of us <laughs> fighting. Please tell me you have that. I do, but they're in VHS form, and I still have those little mini tapes. But you need the machines to play it. Yeah. I didn't throw them let's away. Go, let's go on a mission. <laughs> I, I also remember, uh, this is how I used to shoot my little movies or fights. <laughs> I used to tape the camcorders, and we would choreograph these fights on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like I'll do this, I'll do this, and I'm gonna shoot like this, and I'm gonna cut. And then we'll figure the next move out. And that's how I did I like I shot whatever we came up with, shot it. It didn't come out. I rewind it, shoot over that, and it didn't come out. Rewind it again, shoot over that, and then pause it. And then, okay, it's great. I think that's how I want it. Mm. And then we'll come up with the next piece, and then I'll unpause it and let it continue to, 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 to record. So I was editing and shooting in camera like pre final cut (laughs) iMovie whatever and the other thing I discovered later on was oh you could do this too so I took those cables and I hooked up the camcorder to the VCR to the TV and I would play on my camcorder but I'll watch it on my TV and I had a VHS tape and I'll record and pause before oh, and pause yeah. and edit these movies <laughs> on a VHS. VHS tape. Jeez, dude. Wow. Yo, if any of y'all do this on a regular with wow. current technology, you're complaining, guys. Keep doing it. Just keep just keep wow. working. So when I got into stunts, I was like, oh, this is an actual job. That's how I got into stunts. It's a job. And <laughs> so I was doing I was at this point I was already doing martial arts. I do a lot of tumbling and and acrobats and stuff like that and a friend of mine was in the gymnastic class with me and she told me about this guy who worked in the movie industry and he worked with Jet Li and Sammo Hung I was like what (laughs) and so she's like you want to be a stunt guy you know he's looking for Asian guys I'm like yeah sure so I got on I called this guy I bugged the shit out of him and his name is Roberto Lopez and he was my first mentor for being in the film industry because he introduced me to this whole other thing and I was like oh my god and he also fixed all my martial arts because I remember being 
you know, I, you don't know if you're good or not if you don't have a teacher. Right. But he fixed a lot of things. Oh, by the way, I learned martial arts from like all these wushu people. Like I was learning wushu from uh, Coach Hoei Chi when she was in Long Island, all the way out in the East Hamptons. I learned from Donnie Yen's mom in Boston. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit, bro. <laughs> and then I went to New Mexico to train under this uh, wushu coach named Zhang Hui. This is before or after the stuntman stuff started? Before. Okay. So those are all like little things. I remember Donnie Yen's mom was like, you want to be in movies? I'm like, movies? What are you talking about? You know my son? I was like, who's your son? She showed me like Iron Monkey, Once Upon a Time in China 2. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know. I was like... Oh, I, I was still new. Yeah. I didn't know nothing about it. So fast forward two years later, this guy, Roberto, is holding auditions for an Upright Citizens Brigade indie movie. And that was with David Cross, Amy Poehler. Wow. And all these other people. And I didn't know who they were. And I was like, <laughs> just like oh, this guy wants me to be in a movie and do something. So it me to fall out of the window for money. So what I did was I called this guy, I pestered him, and then he he finally like, all right, we we have a place where we're gonna do the audition. So just come to this place at this time. And I went, and I show up, and there's all these other guys, and and then when we were just warming up, he had us like do all these things. They're like, all right, you know, just warm up. Let let me see what you guys can do. So he made us do like, hey, can you do backflips? I'm like, yeah, how many can you do? I don't know, I'll, try, I'll do whatever I can. So I did a round off back handspring multiple times, like, da, 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 boom. Then I'm like, good, keep doing it, da, 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 boom. Can you do an aerial? Yeah, I did an aerial. Yeah, a bit sloppy, but we'll fix it. And then we went through all the basics. And finally, the big audition move he wanted me to do was when we were setting up, he's like, I want you to pretend that this is a table and there's a tablecloth right here. You jump on top of the tablecloth. You're about to kick this woman in the face. But she pulls the tablecloth and you're going to do a backflip. But I don't want you to do the backflip and land on your feet. I want you to do the backflip and land on your chest. And I kind of had an idea what that was. Because I, I was already looking at all these movies. And right. I learned that that was called the back tiger. is a back three quarter. Which is... a you're doing a backflip, but you're stopping your momentum and landing on your chest. Okay. So I did that, and he made me do it like ten times. I don't know. And good. And so he goes, all right, no, do the same thing, and when you do this backflip, I want you to do a half turn and land on your back now. <laughs> Have you done that before? I was like, uh, no, but I guess I could try. I did it. I pulled it off at the first try, and then he goes, do it another eight ten times i was like, all right boom 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 and then he goes great now let's see you do this he goes i want you to pretend that when you do this you're you're turning to your back i want you to be able to land on the very edge of this table at the corner and i want you to only hit it with this part of your shoulder okay. not your body this just your shoulder part. blade yeah okay and then i want you to lift that when you hit that I want you to let it allow you to roll you over violently I'm like okay okay <laughs> I did that it made me do it eight to ten times and then after that he goes you're hired nice and then and then I wow. go on set and I do this on an actual hard table the same things he just taught you yep. did that not fuck you up like did you not go home like ow no yeah but you're also no. wait you were what time, how old are you like at this point I don't mean shit 
mid. It, it does. How I old think you? I was in my early to mid twenties. Oh yeah, he still has like fucking. So what, bro? You you forget? You do that. Wait, yeah, I, I, I didn't do martial. I don't do martial. I didn't do martial arts. I forgot to mention to you that when I was into the Jet Li Jackie Chan movies before I even met this guy. I was doing things in my driveway, and you saw my driveway. You saw how long that driveway is and how yeah. it's concrete. I didn't tell you this, but I used to do this thing where I would jump up in the air and land on my back on that driveway oh my God. multiple times. It's conditioned himself. <laughs> so. That's like that's my fucking cousin fucking conditioning me beating my assholes <laughs> in the I, projects on the hard-ass floors. <laughs> he just kept doing it. <laughs> oh uh, so talking about like the jobs that you've had, like what are like three to five of your favorite jobs that you've had at like stuff? Hmm. You can name the movies if you want. Actually, yeah. shows. The movies of the shows, three to five. That you like personally remember, even even for like a stupid reason, like the food they had was really good. <laughs> well, of course, Dark Knight Rises. Oh shit! I forgot. I forgot. Where were you, just just for the sake of my own curiosity and for the people, like, where were you in that, like... Well, I I didn't really do a whole lot in that movie. Why weren't was, you, like, in the fucking... In the even if you were in the crowd. City? I mean, I just... Even right? if you were in the I mean, I was... I was... I was not in... I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was there for, I guess, like, you know, as a, a ND, as they call nondescript. Hmm. There's a scene where Bane goes to Wall Street and steals that that info right 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 and then I'm one of those like stockbrokers that are being held hostage while oh, okay. bikes okay. fucking come oh, screaming the bikes out come shoot. Oh, yeah okay, so cool. they need us to be there because they don't want to put extras there you know because mm. it's too dangerous because the fucking bike something happens and you okay so I was in that scene and then there's another scene later on when uh, I think uh, they were taking Joe Gordon Levitt to see Morgan Freeman in that that city hall. I remember. And they completely cut it out, but I remember shooting it because they had me as one of Bane's mercenaries come up the stairs and I had a gun drawn and somebody gets in my way. Gun clocked him in the face and I keep going and I run up to Morgan Freeman and my the mercenary guys behind me kept going to run after Marion Cotillard and Joe Gordon. And I was there with, you know, with uh, Morgan Freeman. And I remember that was really good because, one, <laughs> this is memorable only to me because I'm such a film nerd. And I was a big fan of Christopher Nolan. And to have Christopher Nolan direct me <laughs> and to see Wally Pfister, the cinematographer, I was like, and it's IMAX. And I got to see all this stuff. I, want, I got to see the process. Because I was fascinated with it because um, I was learning something, you know. And I learned, prior to this, I learned with the Hong Kong guys or Taiwanese guys. I saw how the Chinese guys were doing stuff and it blew my mind and it kind of like affected how I looked at things. And then to see Christopher Nolan shoot it is similar because he doesn't do what most people do, which is... They'll shoot this, and then they'll figure things out as they go along, where he was more like, from my perspective, he knew what he wanted, and he didn't waste any time. Okay. So you like that? You like that structure? Yeah. And uh, it was a really kind of like fun moment, because, you know, they didn't say cut or anything when I was doing this thing where I went, 
went up to Morgan Freeman with that gun, and Morgan Freeman is like this. I didn't hear a cut. I usually like you say cut, I'm off. If you don't say cut, I'm just gonna stay there. <laughs> and I remember not hearing it, and I'm still pointing my gun at Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's like this, and he's like this with his fingers, like <laughs> waving the, the nozzle away from his face, and he's like, get out, get that thing out of my face, kind of thing. It was kind of funny. What? He didn't take it seriously, but he was, yeah. you know. That's so, any other any other instances? Um, and any then a, a second job, which goes back to the meeting the Chinese guys and the Taiwanese guys, was I worked with the RZA on what would become the Man with the Iron Fist. Oh, wow! But the version we worked on was like his kind of pet project, and we went to his compound in Ohio. And it was the U.S. team, which was Roberto oh, and his gonna, team. I thought you were going to do the beginning of it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wu-Tang. Yeah. And then I didn't know it, but the Hong Kong guys and then the Taiwanese guys. So the Taiwanese guys were the team that I was with most of the time. And their choreographer was Robert Tai. And he was one of the guys that did the Five Deadly Venoms. Ooh, That's ooh. how far he went back. Jeez. Mm. And you have the Hong Kong guys who work with Jackie Chan and all these other guys. So between this, I'm seeing two different styles, and but yet there's something similar. And I saw how they, they, they were shooting all these fight scenes. And it was hard because the Chinese guys shoot forever. They don't believe in breaks. So I remember shooting for like long days, you know. And I remember super clearly... That everyone was burnt out, we didn't get a day off, and the crew was gonna threaten to walk off, and so oh, Riz, RZA gave everybody a day off. So everybody went to to, to Ohio, like two, like you know, somewhere in Ohio for like two hours away, where there was the nearest like civilization kind of thing, because <laughs> we were far away from it. We were in the sticks. So I remember I was gonna join everybody, and then the Robert Ty was like where do you think you're going i was like i'm going to, we're having a day off he's like no you're not it's like if you want to be a good stunt coordinator and fight choreographer and you want to learn from me you come with me oh, and i was like Shall what? I accept it. <laughs> you know i was like whoa you know i was like that's i'm not saying no to that i, I oh, want to yeah. learn so all the guys were like where do you think you're going you know why won't you join us like oh he wants me to help him out i was like what you think he's gonna give you something I, was like, I don't care i'm learning it's like you guys have fun. This is how I'm going to spend my time. And I learned from him. You know, it was like, I learned. Sure. I watched how he choreographed. I watched how he shot. And that's what I meant about Christopher Nolan. It's like, you know, he looked like he knew what he was doing. When I saw Robert Ty do it, you know, they were choreographing this whole elaborate fight. And he's just standing there. And he's writing little notes in his books in Chinese. And I realized, like, this guy is figuring out everything as he looks at all this and he knows exactly what (laughs) he knows exactly where to put the camera because we were you know Hollywood is all about masters and then inserts this guy was like he shot everything in order wow the way he envisioned it yeah like the way it was meant to go is the way he shot it yep wow and after that I came out of that and I started like Roberto had me start shooting stuff and he had me learn Final Cut he had me, you know, learn all this technical stuff, and that's how I learned how to shoot. And that, that so that's why that instance was so powerful for you. Yeah, and sense, then sense, <clears throat> one more, if you got it, one more. One more. 
I mean, I have or a two lot. if you need to. More. No, there's gonna be if you. Have, if All right, so one more. We'll narrow it down to one more. Pick your brain for one that you think is really cool. I had fun on Dead Don't Die with Jim Jarmusch. Oh shit! Because <laughs> okay. I played a zombie. I played okay. probably multiple zombies, I think. And uh, if you watch the movie, Adam Driver cuts my head off. <sighs> I still haven't got a chance to see that movie because yeah. I think it came out like yeah. Like at the end of 2019. Yep. So I got to work with you know Fucking Bill Murray. I was working with Bill Murray, uh, uh, Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Savigny. I saw Steve Buscemi there. I saw Danny Glover, fucking Lethal Weapon and stuff. Which is funny because I met his niece, and I did something really nice for her during the production. And she was like, "Hey, I'm having a birthday party for for Danny. Why don't you come?" And I was like, "Wait, what? You invited oh, me to yeah. Danny Glover's birthday party?" I was oh, like, "Oh my yeah. god!" <laughs> and it was like the most bizarre thing for me to just go and hang out with to this just guy. Exist and, in that. Space. And then Tilda Swinton just rolls in. Hey, how's it going? Tilda Swinton sits right next to me and my ex at that time. Wow. And it was funny because my ex and I had this weird. Ex, uh, we were in Woodstock and we had this beer encounter. And my it's a beer encounter. Yeah, beer, beer. Oh like shit, bear? black bear. Yeah, oh bear, my god, man. in Woodstock. So it's funny because when we were sitting there, Tilda Swin just sits and like, is, "Can I sit here?" Sure. And then we were talking. How is how is it, everybody? You know. And it's like, oh, we just had quite a bear bear experiment. Oh really? And she went on and told Tilda Swin her encounter with this bear. And she was so fascinated. And that was like surreal because I was like, we're just hanging out like normal people. Yeah, yeah. Did you meet Tom Waits? Because I know he was in that movie. I did not. Fuck. I wanted to meet him. I wanted to meet him and freaking Iggy Pop. Fuck. Damn. I would love to have him. Hell yeah. And then I also met that guy who plays the brother in Get Out. No. is it, uh, In Get Out? Get Out. The brother? brother. His friend from TSA? And get out. Uh, get out is the one where you know, with the T. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to think of the, oh the, the redheaded brother that was talking MMA. Oh, oh yes, Caleb. Yes yes yes, 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 yes. You met him. Yeah, I met him, and he was standing next to me the whole time when we were on set, and he's talking to me, and I remember thinking like he looks so familiar, and I was like, Fuck, oh, this guy's Caleb. This guy's get out. Oh, that's oh, that's. Funny. And it was trippy because. I would because he's such a different person in, in oh, real life of course. and and I remember he was such a dickhead in that movie that I hated him yeah. but in real life he's like the coolest dude he's like hey man how's it going yeah I was like yo <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's awesome bro and also when I was working on Glass uh -huh. with M. Night I also met um oh shit what's his name Oh, I can't believe I forgot his name already. He played Lucius in Gladiator, the son of uh, the girl that... that uh, oh, damn. I forgot his name. So bad. At we have the power of technology. You but, said Lucius from Gladiator? Keep talking. Yep. So he was in that movie, and he's been in a lot of movies. And I remember he also played this... He was also the son in Unbreakable. Oh, oh yes. Oh, him. Okay. Yes, yes. And uh, he was also in Spencer Glass. Treat Clark? Yes, Spencer. 
and Spencer was hanging out with his camera, and I was like, he looks familiar too. And it turned out, I was like, oh my god, this is Spencer. (laughs) It was weird because I remember him as a kid, and he's like full grown adult. I think Mm. he's taller than me, and I was like, he looks so familiar. (laughs) This is on the set of Glass. Yeah. Okay, wow. And, uh, yeah, that was also fun. I actually like working on glass, and I had a scene which you don't really see very clearly, but there's a scene when Sam Jackson is rolling out in this hallway from the asylum, and he's leaving, but the beast is taking these three security guards out behind him, and I was one of the security guards, and we shot this whole thing where we were fighting him in the background. Uh-huh. I mean, but... Did that... Was that in the movie? Did it make it into the movie? It, it, right? It's in the movie, but we're so blurry in the background because oh, okay. you only see Sam Jackson. Right, right, right. Gotcha. That's so cool, man. I'm surprised you didn't say my favorite. What? <laughs> What's that? Favorite? It's like, I'm saying it like if I was fucking there, but it's on that episode of Blacklist where you kicked that little kid. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that scene. Bro, that... I'm about to look at it right now. Like, I I mean, this is amazing stories, right? Like, I mean, I'm a big uh, film nerd, too. So, like, just to be able to know that you, you know, had that good experience is crazy. But, like, when you were showing us little cameos that you've had in episodes, man, and he was, and I'm watching the show, like, I'm watching the episode, I'm, like, engaged. And I'm like, oh, man, that kid's hiding under that little tarp. And then here you come, and you're looking around, you see the tarp, you just kick the shit out of the kid. And then you hear, ow! This man kicked the child. And then I grabbed him by the arm like an abusive parent. I'm like, get over here, you! I'm going to beat the hell out of you. Were you playing his parent? No, no, no. no. He was playing like this, like a henchman assassin dude trying to kill the the guy's dad. Oh, okay. Oh, the kid's dad in the episode. But that's just so funny, man. I was like, wait, did you kick that kid? He's like, yeah, I kicked him. (laughs) Get the shit out of that kid. He's like, like, that's real. Like, yo, you see him. No, 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 I actually kicked that kid. You see him kick the kid. (laughs) Shit that shit is playing like, and cut. All right. <laughs> Fuck that kid. Kid comes out. <laughs> comes out limping. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. His parents were there, so. Years from now, <laughs> years from now, that kid's on a podcast. He's like, he's like, I remember back in the day, man. He's like, take after take. This one guy just kept kicking the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Bruised ribs to this day. Yeah. He's like, I was conditioned, though. So, no, he was safe. <laughs> so... He talked I kicked about, him with my bad leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about we talked about uh, your art. Talked about your stunt stuff. In regards to like balancing those two in life, like how hard has that been? Like how complex has that been? Have you ever like just straight up dropped one? Well, I, we know you said that you went away from art for a while. But has there ever been a time where you're like, I can't do this job because I want to focus on this art, or I'm not, or fuck this art, no. I do this job, like. Not at all, because, you know, I, I still, when I was drawing, it wasn't serious. It was more like doodling. I was just doing it out of boredom. Also, because I was kind of like, drawing for me is kind of my retreat, because I like my job and all, but sometimes it gets really, like, too much. And you know how it is. Like, you, you work a long time, and you just want to, like, go home, and you want to, like, decompress. Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to think about work, you know? And that's where drawing comes in. Okay. And it only really kind of came into realization for me when the past couple of years when I was working on this graphic novel comic that I decided to do on my own that it kind of interfered because I'll get work. And I was like, well, I'm not going to turn down work because it's money and I'm not getting paid for doing my own little mini comic. 
or graphic novel or whatever. I was still unsure of it, but I took movie jobs. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, because it pays the bills and pays right. well. But at the same time, after I do these jobs, if they were long and if they were hard, I just want to take a break, man. I just didn't really think about, like, I would take long breaks. And when I finally got back to drawing anything that was personal, I kind of lost steam and mm-hmm. I broke my pacing and it was hard for me to get back into it. So it was kind of like uneven because I was constantly distracted from work. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Cool. So last question for us before we really get into like some of the Instagram stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're working on right now in regards to art Yeah, that um, you want to mention? I was doing this contribution to uh, my boy Ben's idea to do a charity comic. Shouts out to Ben Granoff. Yep. Yeah, word. Actually, you guys introduced me to Ben. Yeah, yeah. actually, you the first time you drew Mavrock was off of the first drawing that, that ben, ben did for us yeah. of Mavrock. Yeah. And ben, I used to work with Ben at Midtown. Yeah. yeah. Good dude. Great ben dude. Kenobi. And then I finally met Ben at that 24-hour that's yeah, right. Uh, at, at anyone, anyone comics. comics. Shout out to anyone comics. Shout out to Demetrius. You're so you met him, there and that's so. The, I, what is it you're working on? So him, Ben right? approached me, said like, "Hey, you know, we're doing this tribute comic, but you know, when we print it, it's gonna have you know, all profits will go to charity for I guess indie creators and things like that." I was like, "Yeah," and I'm all about you know charity and stuff like that because pay it forward. You know, I've been around and. I'm all about that, you know? I'm all for the little guy trying to get his part in the spotlight. And he said, hey, I, we're doing a tribute to Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X, uh, called Weapon X, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I love Weapon X, and I love Windsor Smith. And I was like, that was like a big monument for me when that came out, because I was like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. And so, sure. But by the time he reached out to me, a lot of pages were taken, so I was left mm. with whatever's left, and I took mm. these two pages, and I'm contributing two pages, which I have an inker with. So I and my inker, Elisabetta D'Amico, are doing two pages for the project. Mm-hmm. So shout out to her. She is a phenomenal inker, and yeah, she, she basically gave me a whole new style which I would never have imagined and I was like oh that's cool that's dope yeah it's awesome man it's cool to see your work rendered and interpreted differently you know oh hell yeah dude and we and we actually saw the originals uh, for anybody that goes online and, and sees the finished work like we, we saw the originals and they are they are completely different it's, it's amazing they yeah. are immaculate so I am currently working on my own graphic novel comic series, which I can't really talk about, but I do, I will say this, my book graphic novel series feels like it's taken my, most of my life. Mm -hmm. I say that because these, this idea germinated from back in my 20s, Mm. because I was hanging out with my friends, there was a Japanese crowd back in the day, and that was when I was like so into anime and manga. Mm. 
and Japanese culture and, and stuff like that. And I'm a huge Eastern philosophy buff because when I studied martial arts, I got into Buddhism, Zen, Taoism, all that stuff. And so I remember being heavily influenced by Japanese samurai and things like that. And I drew all my friends looking like samurai characters. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking dope, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and Dude, that... Do that again, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> so over the years, that accumulated to like me drawing more of my friends in like these really fun characterizations of like Japanese or fantasy characters or Chinese characters from like the Chinese movies that I, I grew up with. So my book basically is in that action fantasy, you know, drama of like. I, it's influenced by basically think of Ghost of Tsushima and Final Fantasy Lord of the Rings all that stuff and your life and my life yes so what you're basically saying is that fast forward into the future when people read your book and they want to find out more about you they can go back and listen to this exact episode and learn <laughs> about his book because he's speaking <laughs> yeah because yeah. I haven't really officially announced it this is fucking history, guys. This is his history. So, I'm not going to ask these questions in any particular order. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask them. So, let's see. Mika Champion Art. Mm-hmm. Oh, asks, Mika, yes. Yeah, He's me. a dope-ass artist himself. He asked, what's your process for setting up an action scene and your decision-making around the POV for the art? That comes from, this comes from a lot of influence outside of comic books. I was, in, like I said earlier, uh, I was into like the really good artists, the fine artists, mm-hmm. and then they were doing such innovative things like Sienkiewicz and, and Dave McKean. But outside of that, I also loved photography. So my first love was like Anton Corbin. He's the photographer that did all the U2 and Depeche Mode photography. Oh, shit. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he's a huge influence on my work. And he's also the reason why I'm into photography. Him, this uh, photojournalist named uh, Paolo Pellegrin, and this nature photographer named Paolo Pellegrin. No, not Paolo. I just mentioned him. Uh, Sebastio Salgado, Mary Ellen Mark. A lot of this stuff. And then... I was also, like I said, influenced by movies, but movies came in as another influence where I was influenced by Stanley Kubrick, Akira Kurosawa, uh, Wong Kar Wai, and of course, all the Hong Kong stuff. Yeah. So, a lot of that kind of snowballed later on. I never really thought about it, but you know, the as years went by... I realized all that stuff came together and it made me think about piecing together, you know, not just action, but overall storytelling, paneling, composition, things like that. Animation, like manga, Mm. you know, like I said, Otomo, oh my God, Otomo storytelling. But what really made me really set up my action uh, uh, approach is the Hong Kong guys. Okay. The Hong Kong Chinese guys. So. Because when I worked with the Chinese guys on and Taiwanese guys on the Rizzo movie, when mm-hmm. I mentioned Robert Ty's like, he sees it and he visualizes it. 
So sometimes I'll do this. I'll use myself as reference. When I have, when I read my script, I, my whole approach is like I read the script. That also comes from be, working as a stuntman, stuntman, like when I was on Daredevil, the TV series, where we got the script and we have to basically break it down and think, how do we create these action scenes? So we break it down in our heads and we kind of like choreograph the fights and then we have to do this previs. And similar to how the Chinese guys were doing it, I do that with the comics, which is I come up with a action scene in the script. Mm. I think about what is the point of the fight scene. How does it serve the story? How does it tell the story arc of the character? And then I choreograph everything in my head. So let's say, you know, say Pat was right here, and in the story he says like Pat's just walking here, and then he sees me, and he wants to fuck me up because I did something to him. So he runs up against me and he puts his hand on my shoulder. And I would probably like do this. I'll grab his hand as soon as he does this, and I'll chicken wing his hand that's holding onto my shoulder, and I'll bend the crook of his like elbow down, force him to go down as I t- take a step back, and I'm gonna make him go down really low, and then I'm gonna elbow him in the head. Then I'll take him by the back of the neck, and I'll flip him over to the ground and grab, kind of standing armbar him on, while he's on the ground and break his you know shoulder blade or something like that and i'll visualize all of that you while me up <laughs> yeah. like you legit fucked me up i'll saying. visualize all of that but all the camera angles are playing at the same time telling me like mm. this shot right here then cut to this shot right here this is a very important detail moment so that cut to this of this part right here and then come back out and then see more of this so the movie stuff the stunt stuff has influence how I approach drawing action or even just storytelling in general on my comics. Sometimes I'll, if I can't figure something out, I'll call, say, my friends, my mm-hmm. stunt friends. I'm like, hey, I got something I want to put together. So I'll choreograph a fight and I'll shoot a video and I edit everything. And then I'll reference all of that and I'll pick all these moments to basically think of like okay that's a moment right there that I could use for the comic strip and then this moment this moment this moment you know that's a rare thing to do for me because I already have everything in my head mm-hmm. but when it's impossible then I will resort to that okay. you know, I, f- I find that yo first off thank you for that because honestly personally you just made me think of like I never thought of fights like that I never thought of fights like like obviously a fight happens for a reason it serves a purpose in a story but like each movement in the fight like certain things you want to show I never like focused on that and that shit just really made me want to focus on on doing that like so just it's similar to say drawing and animation to me because I correlate and connect the two as very similar even though they're different mediums mm. so for example like I just recently was uh, uh, watching David Coleman uh, animator and character designer in the industry mm. and he's he reached out to me on Instagram and you know he's been really cool he became a friend and he would give me help on my art especially storyboarding and things like that and I watched his character design uh, tutorial and he said something that's the same thing as creating action when you're doing a character make sure when you draw these you know small build details that it's not a was the word he used? 
Oh my god, I'm blanking out. <laughs> arbitrary. So don't make arbitrary decisions when you create these characters because if it doesn't add to the character, then why do it? You know, if it looks cool, yeah, it looks cool, but it doesn't really bring out the character. It doesn't bring out the personality. Mm. And it's the same thing with fight scenes, you know, it's like, or any type of story. Why don't choreograph arbitrary movements for the sake of looking cool? Mm-hmm. You know, because as my mentors, Roberto and both Chuck, Chuck Jeffries, my second mentor, have both instilled in me it was like you can't just put stuff together arbitrarily if you have to think along the lines of like does it serve a purpose in the story if I took this fight out will it change the story if mm. it does then it belongs if it doesn't you don't need it hmm. wow. that's a nice rule of thumb so in regards to like your stunt work uh, we have a comic reader and also, like, Mike Hawthorne kind of asked the same question. Uh, basically, so how does your stunt work influence your art? But more specifically, uh, Mike Hawthorne asked, did you find that any part of your previous career helped you in your pursuit of art? And he goes on to say, I'd imagine the qualities of discipline and practice had to carry over. Uh, but he would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, basically, I think I've already answered all of that. Yeah, I mean, no, probably you, you touched you touched on that one. Yeah, yeah, but I could add to more to that. Where yeah, like that discipline, you know, from my previous life, it's still part of my life. Yeah, it every day it just like it still influences what I do with drawing and doing comic pages because it makes it easier for me to visualize all this stuff because. Kim Jong-gi said it best. People think that he draws out of his head and it's just like, oh my God, it's like magical and how does he do it? And even I feel that way. But he's, he said something that makes total sense, which is he, he admits like, hey, you know, it's like I, it took me a while, but I had to accumulate the visual library. Every artist will tell you that. Elisa says that. You know, I'm sure Mike Hawthorne, you say that. You know, thanks, Mike, because you gave me the shout out on your podcast and I got to shout you out, man, because... The fact that you like my work, I'm like blown away by that. <laughs> but the everything builds up to what I ha- all artists, even writers, have in their head. You are building a mental visual library inside your head, you know. And when you get to the point where you like draw, con- you know, routinely, say the human figure so much in all your references you become so familiar with it you don't need the reference no more and it becomes second nature so then you can basically conjure this stuff up out of your head out of nowhere and yeah you know it's like it's not really that hard there's no there's no secret to it it's just repetitive routine okay and it made sense to me you know um like i said the the filming aspect of my stunt work being around filmmakers, being around these stunt people, photography, you know, being a martial artist, the discipline of the martial artist definitely too because, you know, it was like, I'm, I'm hard on myself for a reason because when I studied gymnastics and martial arts and stuff like that, maybe because I'm also Chinese, that I'm hard on myself. I'm already, I already have this high standard, like you've got to learn. 
and you ain't getting nowhere if you don't have the discipline and my book did not come into reality when I started it without that mental discipline because I remember I had knee surgery Mm -hmm. I was out of commission I didn't think about like oh my god I have knee surgery I won't be doing nothing I'm gonna watch Netflix and (laughs) eat junk food and sit on bed all day I didn't think that as soon as I knew I was getting my knee surgery I went to a cafe every morning this was when I was with this this girl that I was dating and while she had her thing going on I would be on my crutches and I'll go to this cafe and I started off with my sketchbook and I drew in that sketchbook for an hour and that turned into a daily routine of me walking the dogs going to this place drawing for an hour an hour turned into like two three hours then half a day then all day not at the coffee shop mind you like I'll spend my my time there for like a few hours but then I'll go back to my place and I'll draw all day Mm -hmm. and it became such a habit that it wasn't hard for me so then when the like you know this pandemic hit and we got into lockdown i was like well i don't have no excuses Mm -hmm. i'm drawing i got my book to work on and that's all i did okay cool yo uh you you said a lot there and i'm glad you said that because you put words to something that i already knew and i never heard the reference but i've watched so many movies so many shows and you're right like it's and we've explained it on, on the previous episode like it's it's theater of the mind right why we love D&D so much yeah. and we have so much to draw from that at this point it doesn't matter who says it who describes it you we can, can see, it. see the thing in our head yeah. and as writers we you know we visualize it first and we try to do the reverse of putting words to what we're seeing and and that's why it's even crazier because like you tell us stories of you on set and like certain scenes and like the way you choreograph and like I'm I have to make up those images in my head but then I, I feel like I'm nailing it based off of all the movies and like behind the scenes yeah. documentaries I've watched and all these things where like he can talk and like I get it yeah, like you mentioned that Bane scene like when you talk about Dark Knight Rises with the motorcycles I remember that scene like perfectly yeah, yeah. Like I can picture that exactly what you're talking about without. But then if he tells you like another like another movie with another yeah. scene and like the, this explains it the same way he did. We don't. Yeah. We already have that image. Yeah. We're like, oh, it's just a different set. It's just and it's cool. just ah oh, man, it's it's fucking dope. That made a lot of sense, Kenny. Uh, Yo, thanks guys for that question. That was a good question. I've sat with you at many of those cafes and uh, and like I didn't see it that way. Like it was conditioning, and I feel like I was a little you know like before the pandemic, like, always meeting you in, in the city, like, it became a routine that, like, I made, it made me have a, like, a schedule, kind of, like, of, like, I have to go and be some way, shape, or form creative, and, like, I mean, I don't know if we've ever spoke about it on the podcast, but we got different ways of, like, honing our craft or, like, doing the thing that we do, mm-hmm. um, and, like, I've, I've shared this with you, I don't know, again, if we did it on the podcast, but... yeah. The way that I write stuff or the way that I create things and, and actually, like, come up with what I want to do, mm-hmm. I have to talk about it. I have to say it out loud. I have to reenact it or to myself 
over and over and over again. And I, and I think I have shared this where like I talk to myself a lot, like by myself, because I have to say out loud the thing that I want to do. Yeah. Um, so like if there's a character I come up with, you know, before I tell you, I already had that conversation with myself because right. I've already said it out loud because it makes sense now. And I think that's that's super dope, like combining the visuals of like movies and then like the camera angles and like and then having to be like into comics where we want to now write it. Mm-hmm. And now here's you, the person that is going to draw it and you know how to read scripts. And like we're just taking all that, putting it together and like it's like reverse engineering and re-engineering yeah. the same image. Oh, that is so fucking I just thanks for taking that trip with me guys my, my TED talk is done next question no but that's good you, you know, no, it's thanks good. guys <laughs> I think I just became a better writer today <laughs> uh, Dax 2 the number 2 CV says well she a- asks uh, was it difficult to learn how to draw landscapes thanks Dax for that question um was it difficult to draw landscapes? To learn, to learn how to draw landscapes. I remember drawing my first landscape. No, actually, no. I did do some like you know buildings back in the day, but I remember thinking I hate buildings. <laughs> I well, that's why you said that. I don't like drawing buildings, and I especially do not like drawing modern stuff like cities, because I for some reason do not like it. It's not fun for me. Mm-hmm. But. I know, like, when I have, if I ever get a job, I'm going to have to. So I did learn that, but I'm more comfortable drawing, like, landscapes like trees and castles and huts and villages because for some reason, I do like drawing that stuff. And for some strange reason, that feels more natural for me. Well, maybe and it, it's easier for me to draw. Maybe it's just, maybe just the uh, monotony or repetitiveness of skyscrapers or a cityscape is just. Probably. It's just boring. It's just this. It's just a bunch of rectangles. And also because I feel like drawing like villages or, or castles. And there's more like, character. There's, there. there's there's character and there's an organicness to it that I like. Mm. Um, so would you say that how you got better at it was just by drawing the landscape stuff that you like? Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, the landscape stuff started when I don't know if you guys were reading it at the time, but when I was younger, I was reading. This Chinese comic called Storm Riders. I've never heard of that, and I've never read it. It's called, you know, there's a two characters named Wind and Cloud. Have you heard of it? No, no, no. Okay. There's even a movie made on it. I'm sure you will find it. But that I comic. I remember those dudes from Teen Titans. That comic blew my mind dudes. because I really loved how you rendered like forests, like bamboo leaves, flowers, trees, and pagodas, and I was so obsessed with that 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 got me started to drawing landscapes and foliage and things like that and that for me was fun you know listening to you talk about like everything that you've been talking about like for the yeah. past like hour and a half i realize now this is super tangent but i realize why you like ghost Tsushima so much like i see it now like I, I i got it before like i always knew that was your thing but now hearing you talk about like the artistic side that like the things that excite you i see it in your eyes like, as you're talking about it. now i understand like why that game was like this is this is the shit. Like this is it. For not me. only that, but I mean, like, I, no, it's an amazing game. It's I love that game, and not only is it an amazing game, but you know, it's like how many games are Asian based, where is an Asian character? No, you're, yeah, no, you're you are so right, one hundred percent right. Yeah, and we, I, the whole talk cast, that shit, Kenny. The whole cast, talk that shit. <laughs> the whole cast. There's not a single 
to my knowledge, I haven't beaten it yet, but there's not a single non-Asian character to my knowledge in the game. Yeah. I mean, no, nothing against the other games. Like, I love my Super Mario. No. I love my, my, my Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all those Richard. games. But, you know, it was just nice to have, like, a game with an Asian dude just slicing motherfuckers. Yeah, not only like, is it, oh, my God, this yeah. is so fun. Not only is it representation for... Uh, you feel represent, rep, represented. represented. Yep. But it's also your aesthetic. That's yep. fucking the perfect... Because, I, I, like I said, I grew up with martial arts and action movies and samurai movies... That was also speak, screaming at me like, look, samurai ninjas and assassins. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh. Did you play it in black and white? In the Akira Kurosawa mode? Oh, yeah. I played it. But <laughs> they took it to another level in that upgrade, uh, uh, the firmware upgrade with the online co-op The gaming. co-op stuff, right? Yo. When they <laughs> added that mystical demon Oni stuff. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that stuff, too. You're just making me want to go play the game. Uh, uh, so that was that was Dax's like question. Fantastic. Uh, made him feel that way about Witcher. <laughs> Ask him where he's at. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I say I'm gonna play it. But like, by the way, like just playing that video game. Another thing to add to previous questions about what this what influences me and what affects my art. Even playing video games, you're watching a video game. You're 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 looking at the artist's, you know, work being put in front of you like they created this is a world building thing and i'm like it feels like i'm there virtually but to see this world and i'm like roaming around this sandbox like it helps open up my mind i'm like oh so when i was like creating my 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 book series final fantasy was the first thing that came to mind because you know how our final fantasy rpgs play out you get to go all over the place yeah 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 and when you buy the art books, you see like, oh, they created like all these different things people. that you never even got to see. Yeah. Yeah. But then they also have like a little backstory to like, oh, this is a little uh, a coastal town, but they're near the water, so you have to think like, oh yeah, um, these people are near the water, so they're a fishing kind of yes. village, so their lifestyle is different from say these guys that live in the mountain. Oh yeah, of course. That's big DM tips right there, guys. That's big. I'm so serious. Yo. That's something to consider, guys. Nah. My, so my seaside, my seaside towns, miners. So when, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I came fish. up, so when I came up with all these 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 characters, I was like, all right, you know, I thought of this world, this map, this land, and I like this is going here, this is going here. These are all different pieces of the puzzle that I'm putting together, you know. I'm sure when the book comes out, I, I don't know if it's going to register with people, but, you know, I was like, oh, I want to make someone feel like, you know, this is, what's going on here? You know, I was like, this is a town. I, that's the way I feel when I say watch Lord of the Rings or Dark Crystal, because you're so oh, yeah. sucked into that world. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, Elijah Mitchell Hopmeyer? Uh-huh. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if I'm butchering Hello, it. Hello, Elijah. Uh, I'm just going to read exactly yeah, yeah. what he wrote. Uh, he says, I started drawing more seriously with the onset of quarantine, so I'm wondering what is the quote-unquote perfect first year of more disciplined drawing? What does it take? What did your first year look like? For context, I have been drawing almost every day for multiple hours a day for a while now. I'm progressing quickly, 
but I always wish I could learn faster. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah. I totally get it. Bro, kudos to you, man. Word. Yeah, man. You got to keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right track. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you because um, when I was drawing, I was doing it uh, uh, to pass the time. It was kind of like my personal space, as I said earlier, because, you know, real life hits, bills... You know your ex dumps you kind of thing. You 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 just you just yeah, retreat. You just want to draw. You don't think about it. You just do it naturally, right? You know, but you don't think about like drawing all day. You draw till you're like, yeah, okay, I'm done. But over the years, for me, as I realized, especially when I took this seriously, mm-hmm. it takes discipline, and that's where I said earlier again, uh, the martial arts discipline comes in where you know it's like you have to train daily you gotta do the motions no matter how redundant it feels no matter how um at times you feel like am i going anywhere am i getting better i mean we all go through it i went through it and i'm sure like you know all the people that i've ever talked to have have said the same thing um but like I said, when I got that knee surgery, forget it. It was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to draw. Okay. You know, because I had no excuses. I had nowhere to go. My knee was just, I wasn't going anywhere. So that's why I said it turned from an hour. An hour progressed to like a few hours, a few hours into half a day. Half a day turns into the whole day. And at this point in my life right now, like there are times when I'm like, I can't even sleep at night because there's so much things going on in my head. I'll just turn on the light and I'll probably in the middle of the night I'll keep drawing. So your first just to just to your first year would probably be when you spent all that time drawing after your knee surgery, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and and what he said about like how, you know, he feels he's progressing f- uh pretty quickly, but he doesn't feel like he's learning fast learning enough. fast enough. You can't think of it that way, man. You can't really concentrate on that. You have to focus on just drawing because if you keep thinking about that, you're never going to get your work done because it doesn't really, there's no such thing as getting better fast. You know, Mm -hmm. as I learned uh, in martial arts and in movie making when we do those fight scenes, slow is fast, fast is slow. Okay. You know, because when you, when you take your time, the more you do it, the more time you spend on it. Mm-hmm. It becomes so second nature that you're gonna find yourself to be like piece of paper right here, and you're like, and then all of a sudden, guys like you look at me like, yo, you, you just banged out on ten minutes. Just tortoise in the hair, man. Slow and steady wins a race. Yeah, that's it. So there's no big rush. I feel like if you rush yourself, you're going to only stress yourself out and frustrate yourself, which isn't fair to yourself. And I know it too because that's how I felt. You know, as I said, I'm super critical about my my own stuff. But I've learned through these past few years, I filled up in the past few years 800 pages Jesus. worth of sketchbooks. Wow. Well, Elijah, I hope that answers your question. All right, so <sighs> Elena's Art Spot asks, how much time do you dedicate to your art per day? Or week. 
Thanks for that question, Elena. And to answer that question, how much do I spend? Oh, well, pretty much every day. Um, I am constantly drawing, and I draw until I get tired. I know from a lot of talks with my friends and some professional artists who basically have said some really, you know, uh, helpful and wise uh advice for me the i should actually take breaks in between because i shouldn't burn myself out because you know that's something that you would do when you were young yeah. in your beginning but when you get older you realize like you know you shouldn't uh burn yourself out so quick like that right but because i feel like i got in this so late that i spend practically a all day i'll probably like all day draw day. I, I wake up in the morning and I take my sketchbook and I just draw even if it has nothing to do with the comic or anything else I just do it to warm up and then I'll once I get ready I have my breakfast I'll hit the studio and I draw the pages or I'll do something related to the book or sometimes I'll if I'm not feeling it I have to do something where it gets me to that point so I don't stop I'll just draw 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 mm -hmm. and um if i'm not even at the studio and if i'm at home i'm actually drawing still at home in my sketchbook and i'll do random other type of unrelated comic drawings in okay. the sketchbooks because it's basically my way of kind of keeping up with myself and making sure that i don't lose pacing of what i do okay and um there are a lot of times that I can't even sleep and I'll just be tossing and turning in bed and I'll just get up, turn on the light and I'll just keep drawing overnight. I'll, I'll do that for, for like four to five days when the lockdown happened. I was doing it almost every day. And that was more of like a thing of discipline for me at that point because it just, you know. Makes sense. Makes sense. I just wanted to be better. And I do it because I have to be better. Alright, alright. Oh, anime. So, <laughs> gotta get stronger. Gotta get faster. Or as Naruto says, like, that is my ninja way. <laughs> uh, Phineas X Gage and uh, that dude Darsk hmm. had a similar question, which was, uh, what's like your favorite like medium? Like digital, physical, and then within that, do you have a favorite brand or a favorite style of like a drawing instrument like a drawing tool like you know paintbrushes pencil ink like you know whatever hmm. so um, first do you prefer digital or physical 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 i, mean, I started we, I doing digital I because <laughs> i started doing digital lately because i have to learn it and i i've been you know asked if I could do certain jobs where mm -hmm. it involves digital and unfortunately because I'm not experienced with it I had to start learning I just recently did something which isn't happening anymore because uh, there was another charity that I got involved with, in with Elisa and she saw something I, I did and she wanted me to contribute but because of what I already put out I was like oh I can't submit it like this to her so I said I would work on it a little bit more which was me making some changes. So that's when I started doing digital. Okay, okay. And I did Procreate on an iPad. 
And I have to say, I kind of got pretty comfortable with it, but not that comfortable. But it was, I kind of see the the appeal, the appeal, and the the practicality of using digital. And I pretty much thought, like, all right, well, I guess this is it. I'm gonna, this is my segue to digital. So you know, that was one, and I did it in color too. Okay. I colored this thing digitally, so I think I'm gonna add digital as an additional tool but i still prefer the traditional medium so so what do you like to use in like paper and like in on physical do you like like what's your favorite tool pencil i i love my sketchbooks my sketchbooks are number one i take them everywhere i go no matter where i am my sketchbooks come with me i use uh a basically a, a 4bhb lead pencil a mechanical pencil holder and then uh, sometimes I'll use blue a non-repo blue pencil and I use the Copic liners okay. to, to ink and when I'm doing the pages or if I'm experimenting that lead up to the pages I actually really really like doing a lot of inking with uh, brushes like sable brushes uh, especially for ink wash because I fell in love with ink wash because of Olivier Copiu. Mm-hmm. Um But I learned quickly through ink wash that that was my segue to watercolor. And I also now really enjoy watercolor. Hell yeah. So watercolor, and then I started adding colored pencils. So it's a, a lot of different things. I like all of them, and there's no particular brand. But for paper, I... First, uh, my favorite type of way to draw is through my favorite sketchbook journals from Fabriano's and when I do anything that involves ink gouache or painting I'll use some sort of bristle board smooth surface cool. either the Fabriano's or mixed media <clears throat> paper or uh, the arches or uh, I'll use a Strathmore uh, papers I'm sure everybody listening knows what those things are. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I was going to say, no bullshit, I've been around you for so long and watched you. I knew everything he said just now. <laughs> like, I, everything he said, I was like, and in my head, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not that. That's that time you pulled up that pencil. <laughs> only thing I understood was a couple things. Bristol, I know what that is. I can yeah. totally see it in my head. Like, all the time is that outro <laughs> actually I have this one Pentel refillable brush pen it's a synthetic brush pen that I like to ink with but that partic- I know I was like I like to use that pen because it's so practical but it has also significant meaning for me because uh, last year I met Olivier at Comic Con through Quan Quan's his friend and rep mm-hmm. and Quan introduced me to him, and I became friends with them. And uh, when Comic Con was over, I got to hang out with Olivier for a week, and I got to kind of like you know pick his brain and everything. And I remember one morning we went out for brunch, and he, the the other night we were having dinner with them, Marjorie, Sana Takeda of monstrous you know Sana and Marjorie are like my friends they're like big sisters for me and I learn a lot from them because they give me such good advice especially about writing 
in the creative process. But uh, we had a dinner, and I remember they were talking about like my art, and I was like embarrassed because like, I'm not showing nothing to these people because I am nothing to them. I am down here, and they're like way up here. And I remember Quan saying, like, why are you so embarrassed and afraid to show your stuff? You have really hot, you know, professional people here who do this for a living, and they're okay with seeing your stuff. And this is the best time to show your work because they can help you get better and point out what you can do to, do, to improve. And he was right, you know. But yeah. I was still embarrassed, still yeah. regardless, because, you know. But the day that I went to have brunch with... Olivier, he was like, so let me see your sketchbook. You know, <laughs> no, I'm sure it's exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> and he basically went through my sketchbook and looked through all my stuff and he gave me all this great advice. He showed me what he liked and what he didn't like. And I could tell whatever he didn't really like, he didn't really say much or didn't say anything at all. He only pointed out stuff he liked and what he wanted to see more of. And um, and then he goes, oh, and uh, Quan says you want me to send you a book. I had the magic order for him, the the French edition, black and white. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And then so you know, I was like, all right, you I, you have to sign it. And he's like, oh, I sign it. It's okay. <laughs> and I give him my book to sign. He's like, you have a pen. And I was like, yeah, I have a pen. And I open up my pencil case and everything. I took out. He's like. What kind of pen do you have, in, or something? And he go. He's like, oh, I'll take this one, and then I'll take this one. He's remember, take, he he's took taking pens from you. He took uh, a couple of pens from me. I was like, what does he need this many pens for? He took like a couple, because I thought he was just gonna sign it. Right, right, right. But he took my nice Pentel refillable synthetic brush. The pen. one you're just talking about. Yep. Okay. He took that pen, and he drew Cordelia right in front of me with that pen. In your and book. I, yep. Do you have the sketchbook that has that in there? Not the sketchbook. It's in the magic order. Book. Oh, it's in the book. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. So he, I'm looking at him, drawing this cold. In my, magic order book. Mm-hmm. And then he took the other pen and he's like sketching and I just like, oh my god. Oh, I understand now. So that pen holds significance to me, and I'm never gonna throw that pen drew away. It. Yes, and I feel like this is this pen. I'll never wash this pen again. <laughs> And this head, this pen. I said this head. This pen holds so much power. And there's something that that goes back to what that uh, to what uh, Elijah asked me about. You know, drawing improving. Yeah. Olivier said this to me, and it always will stick with me too. Because he goes, I remember asking something about like uh, getting better, and he said something along the lines of like, look at my work from when I first started out, which is what the Legion. For DC, uh-huh. all the way up to the Magic Order. He goes, from the period that I did that all the way to what I do now, look at the time in between and look at the work in between. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the evolution and how long and how much work was put in to get where I, where I got to be today. You know, because you see that drastic like evolution yeah. of his yeah, style. Yeah. Even um, when you see House of M and yeah, no, like, his Thor that's run. That's exactly what I see in my head because like, that's the first time I saw his name was House of M and I own that. And to get Magic Order and be like, wow. Yeah, yeah. so going back to that 
that question, yeah, it's like you can't really for a pro to tell you like it took me this long like, to hone and refine my style to what it is today. You know, and it made sense to me because there's like I said, there's no big secret to it. You just got to do it every day. And for people like that, when they're drawing all the time, of course, there's deadlines. Mm-hmm. You have no luxury of like practicing or whatever because you already kind of proved yourself to, I guess, people who are in the industry. They give you your job and you start working, and then that snowballs into more work, and you're getting paid and you got deadlines, and you have no room to consider like your imposter syndrome or your perfectionism and things like that. And since I don't have that kind of limitation on myself, I don't work for someone and I'm working on my own book, I have to bring the hammer down on myself on that. So, but from that time that he told me that, I do every day. I even like spend way more time drawing all the time in order to do it. And I listen to all the people that I'm friends with on Instagram uh, in the art world. It, they could either be in comics, they could either be in animation, fine arts, whatever. If they chime in like, hey, you want to hear my two cents? And I would be like, of course. I absolutely welcome any input. Because I'm not the type that be like, this is great, this is great. It feels nice to get compliments, but I also really want people like the pros look at it as like I think it could be better and I, I became better because of that because I listened and as soon as they say something mm-hmm. you could do this you could do this you could do this Olivia did it Elisa has told me David Coleman has told me Victor Ibanez has told me I never talk back to any of these guys the, the moment they say something I was like okay I process it I disappear and I just draw in my sketchbook and I do it till like I'm sick and tired of it but I'm not because I really enjoy doing what I do and that's why it's a it's a great process for me so talking about drawing constantly our last question uh, is from uh, Misfit JR Uh (laughs) and he asks uh, he asks what Creatures or characters do you like like to draw? I like to draw a lot of things. Do you things. enjoy drawing? Like this is cathartic. I actually like drawing a lot of things, but I just like drawing. It doesn't matter if it's a creature or a person, anything with an interesting shape. So, like, what's an example? Like, like an octopus. <laughs> That's, an That's funny you said that because I just recently drew an octopus in my sketchbook. See? That's an interesting shape. I got a fucking question. Yeah. So, because I had it earlier, totally forgot. You brought it back up, and now I'm thinking about it again. So, the same way, like you said with, with um, Olivier, and you watch his body of work grow, you said you've kept everything you've done. Do you like take the time to look back at how you used to draw? Do you still have, oh, yeah. Do you still got those Transformers drawings oh, when you were I can't. I don't know where those pieces are i do know i have a lot of drawings since junior high school to high school hell yeah i have a bunch of notebooks like have you ever considered showing the people these things uh hell no 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 No. but have you actually like picked out like pointed out like oh i do this better now or oh hell yeah i see 
dude if even even a few years ago or a year, less than a year ago you could still see the difference uh remember i told you earlier i like i filled up at least over seven or more yeah, no, hundred pages of sketchbook drawing when i look at the start of that those oh, yeah. books i don't look like what i look like now I, th- my stuff then was cartoony let me tell you, I went through a whole evolution. I would look like the guy who drew like uh, Winding Cloud, that Chinese comic style. I went through a phase where I almost looked like uh, kind of like cartoony because I love Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. And I was doing co- like little cartoons, but I was realizing I like doing the cartoons because it was easier to draw cartoons and they were more animated compared to like drawing kind of realistically. Mm-hmm. And then once I became more comfortable drawing all the time, my cartooniness went from more animated and from animated into the comic booky style. And from the comic booky style, right now I'm like I'm going to this whole transitional phase of like like I said I'm appreciating the old masters so seeing Mooka Klimt and the Orientalists I'm trying to find that that balance you know I was like I'm trying to work out something that is me speaking of you cause and and by the way guys like I've been pretty silent uh, but that's cause I honestly I can I can vouch for like half of the more current things he's spoken about because I've watched them happen. I've seen those books. I've seen those progressions. Um, without getting into detail, because I, I, I don't need to, but hanging out with you, there was, there was something, there's, there's something that you do all the time that, <laughs> that you share with us privately. Uh, your, your mental artistic dump that you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean so, my perverted drawings? Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> which is funny, know. which is funny because... But but before you even say all that, I, I just want you to, like, share with, with them what you've told me. It's just like, yes, you're still... You're definitely drawing stuff sometimes with a purpose. Sometimes you're just drawing a draw. And then there's this moment where you just need to vomit that out. <laughs> and it makes you feel... I don't know. It's like a refresher for you. Like, I can start over. I don't know... I don't know how you've explained it to me a certain way, and I'm just like, I get it. It's a hard reset. Yeah. I mean, that's just me exercising whatever's like, like you know, like mental diarrhea. Yeah, oh, man. Just, just get it out. But the funny thing is, going back to that moment when Olivier was going through my sketchbook and nice. he's flipping through my stuff, he pointed those things out. He's like, I like these. Oh, man. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. And I understand why he liked it because. I think he's an artist that reaches a, a higher level right now of understanding and, and of his own self-awareness. And also because Quan told me, like, you know, he, it, it's an insight into his thought process of what he looks at in his own work and what influences him. But he appreciates creativity. So when he looked at something that I did mm. where it's kind of weird, he's like, I like these. This is kind of your serial killer things. I like it. Mm. You should do more. It's kind of encouraging me to actually play with my imagination because that was really imaginative what he thought that I did even though it's weird or no, like and, this is out of this world yeah and, and, he, and 
And I was like, wow, okay, because, you know, I, I even said, I was like, I didn't know because I don't really show people this because it's kind of like pervert. I don't know how people would respond to it because people think I'm disturbed or something. He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, it doesn't. Just, just, yeah. This is you being creative kind of thing. And then when you look at Kim Jong-gi, you look at his sketchbook collections, he draws a lot of diarrhea stuff or yeah. perverse stuff. What's the problem? And I feel like, you know what? It's like, it's okay to draw that stuff. I'm not being offensive sure to anybody. It's just me, like, I need to get this out of here. You know, I was like, yes, it's there. But then when I look back on it, you know, yeah, they're kind of like perverted and weird, but there's some creativity in there that I was like, you know what? I can do something with this. There is. I, I won't, I'm not going to detail for detail, but I remember one time you drew the weirdest sex monster and you explain to me in detail what the monster does oh i know that one you're talking about the, the vagina X. monster yeah yeah and i was like how how did you just start drawing that and then you made it make sense but my point and you you hit it is just because there's every, there's people listening here that probably don't do or do the same thing and it's just like yo just do it it's just me. I'm I'm a very I'm a very type of per. I'm the type of person that like looks at stuff. Like you could be sitting right here while you're talking, I'll be listening. But all of a sudden, for some strange reason, my my mind will wander. I will never tell nobody this stuff because you're about to tell them right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's too late. Now. Like I'm I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk as a casual conversation, yeah. and all of a sudden, I'll imagine some part of your body Gross. coming to life. Gross. And then doing something weird. Nice. You know, yep. and then later on, I'm like, that was kind of good, weird, or bad weird movie. idea. And then I'll go to my sketchbook and I'll draw I'm it. Talking like the thing? Oh, I'm not with it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the drawings, but like I, he just said that and I've seen him do that. Like I've mm-hmm. seen him, and he'll, and like it's crazy. I've hung out with him enough that I'll see him drawing something. And I'm like, that's me, or that's gonna be cricket, or that's gonna be somebody. And I'm like, like I, I already got it at this point, like. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool to watch, though, because it's, it's still good. <laughs> like, I was hanging out at the Gowanus Studios with uh, Stephen Harris and Dean Haspiel, who are also, like, pro- veterans in the industry, and I remember I was talking to Dean, Dean was like, hey, you know, we were talking about, like, Brooklyn, the neighborhood, and he goes, yeah, you know, it's like, this is what interests me as an artist, like, you're around people, you're around the local neighborhoods talking to people who've been here for years, there's a story behind all these experiences and I'm so fascinated you can pull that stuff and turn it into story and I agree with him and that's how I think it's like my whole life I mean I have to say I'm so lucky to have this trajectory in my in my life where I get to see all these crazy weird things I mean I worked a nine-to-five job I did the odd jobs I went to do movies i i'm a stunt guy i meet these celebrities on these sets i meet artists and i'm drawing and then i run into photographers i do so many things and all of that has fed into my my library visually of stories that i can manipulate for my own self to tell or just like you know like drawing reference 
you know, don't get me wrong, like I'll still pull out photos to reference something if I can't do it. But then when I I can draw something without reference, I do that too. And I have a good balance of everything, you know, and and I I still do that right now. I mean, there's there's no stopping. I don't think that there is any any stoppage to what I can pick up on the way because there's always something new I can learn there's always something new I can like oh I can add that to my already expensive tool set you know absolutely bro wow you know what I will what say a nice way to wrap is, it up yeah no that was a that was an awesome way, what a great way to wrap that's up. an awesome message for you guys I see no reason to say anything more <laughs> and honestly um, I just hope I didn't bore anybody nah nah brother and, and honestly like the way you just explained like the pleasures of being able to work with all those people and gain all experiences, I personally have to say that it's a pleasure to have met you and then you it's share right. those right. experiences with us. Yeah, right. Nah, I'm uh, kidding. I'm, <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I love you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. One more thing. I've met people who, who want to be artists and they, they, they come up to me and stuff like that and they, they, they express how difficult it is for them and I heard a lot of, like, you know, the stuff that people say was like I have a difficult time and what is your advice and they always say I can't do this I can't do that and my whole thing is like well you know I've been there done that and I know exactly how you feel but you know you, there's no secret answer to that that I can give anybody because all the people that have told me the same thing there is no secret you just gotta draw every day when you are out of when you are out of ideas or you feel like you're hitting that dead end, just draw. Draw all the time because that's the only way you're going to get better and that's the only way you're going to... Draw anything all the time. Yep. And use your time wisely. Yep. You got to maximize your time to draw all the time. Well, guys. Well, boy. Thank you for joining us on our very first episode with our very first guest, Mr. Kenny Wong, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. If you got to the end of this, DM us, you got to the end of it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a, a lengthy episode, guys. Um, I hope I didn't bore anybody. I hope you're nobody fine. Sees. Shut up. Well, you're good. bored with me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, thank you guys for, for showing up. We definitely will have Kenny on the show once again, brother. Uh, we are going to be having uh, different things coming up very soon. Um, we might have an extended probably break, uh, because this episode is so lengthy. Um, and we are probably going to go back to our continuation of the explanations of D and D and then more mechanics about it. Um, we definitely might actually take a lot of what was said today with Kenny and just like the process and kind of like really hone in on character creation or getting inside the mind of like, you know, visualizing a campaign. Um, so we want to thank everybody again for tuning in we hope you have you know learned so much from our friend and you know we're gonna have you back on the show brother it's not gonna be so q a next time you know we can just lounge yeah. about and hopefully by the next time Actually, you come on the show you, you should ask us shit <laughs> get you to fucking play D D. Yeah, man. Like, uh, hopefully by the next time you come, you sure you want me to play D D? Yes. Because last time I said I played D D, everybody played D D. When I said I played D D with you guys, and I told you what I would play, and you're like, yeah. I don't I think don't I heard know. it, but <laughs> look, man. We'll we'll figure it out. Nothing's worse, than, nothing's worse than what Rob wants to do. But anyways, no, no, I'm not. Anyway, he's not getting to the end of this episode. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next time.
whenever we have you on here next time. We'll yeah, see, no. We'll see, we'll see what we talk. And about. I'm sure you know people are gonna have even more interesting things. Well, probably. But thank you guys. Uh, we'll see you in either another week or maybe two weeks, two weeks just probably. depending on how uh, you know the state of this episode is. But thank you very much, guys, and uh, peace out. Thanks. So- oh wait, we must roll. Oh my god. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter if there's a guest on the show. So Get the dice. I don't know where it is. It's right there. Where? Next to the keyboard. To the right. Move your legs, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> I think that's the magic one. Nope. Bam. Boom. Do it. I went first last Oh, you did go first last time? It's been a sure while did. since I rolled a... Uh, Sure. Don't worry. You're just gonna you're just gonna witness the glory right now, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> you're gonna roll a one, Josh. You're gonna roll a one. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Two two. Suck a dick. Go ahead, Kenny, if you want to. <gasps> you got the highest. Fuck you. You're not on the show. <laughs> two two one. We're out. Fuck y'all. Later. Bye everybody. Bye.